0: Hey again friends and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. For any new listeners out there, my name is Matt Sapala and I am your host. I am a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I started this platform, the Euphoria Health Podcast because I'm so extremely passionate about healthy living have this main message of educating and inspiring people to lead a happier, healthier, more conscious and sustainable life. I am so passionate about sustainability through everything we do, whether that's fitness, nutrition, or just sustainable living. My coaching philosophy is not to be your quick fix, but to be your only fix. And that was emphasised to me during my weight loss journey of about five years. I battled undiagnosed eating disorder, an obsession with exercise and severe undernutrition. I experienced some horrible times with a rollercoaster of emotions. And if I can help just one other person along their journey and avoid those things, I'll be a happy man have an absolute treat of a podcast for you guys this week, A Woman Who Needs No Introduction. Dara Hayes is known globally as DJ Tiger Lily, and we share very similar values in which we both adopt a plant-based lifestyle, and compassion is the forefront of everything we do. It's so amazing seeing influential people like Dara showcase how incredible this lifestyle can be, not only for the human body, but for the animals and for the environment as well. I'm so incredibly humbled to have had the opportunity to sit down with Dara and unpack her journey and what it took to get to where she is today, one of the most profound DJs across the globe. Dara is a passionate vegan and she's spreading such an important message about kindness and positivity and how we can adopt that through everything that we do. She speaks a lot about this on her Instagram page alongside the DJ Tiger Lily page, which is dedicated to all the stuff that I mentioned before. And you can find that on Instagram at owl.soul.purpose. And I'll have that in the show notes for you guys as well. I really wanted to highlight a quote that Dara said during the podcast today and that goes like this, being vegan means choosing the least harmful and most positive decision in your day. I love this because it breaks down the stigma commonly associated with vegans and vegetarians. You can choose the least harmful, most positive decision in all elements of your day without attaching labels to it and I really wanted to highlight this as a take home message because just as simple as that just assessing situations and making the most positive least harmful decision in the moment dara and i would love to know if you're listening and where you're listening from guys so don't forget to screenshot the cover of the podcast and sharing it on your socials tag myself and dara well friends that's enough from me enjoy the show and i'll see you guys on the other side Dara Hayes, welcome to the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm so excited to be on the show and I'm very excited to talk with you and connect with you. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, pumped to have you on the show as well. We were just exchanging our co-hosts for the day. We've got Lenny and Buddy sitting here. Buddy's being a poor co-host at the moment, sleeping on the couch. And I'm not sure what (laughs) Lenny's doing. Dara, you can probably paint that picture for us.
1: He's uh, curled up under my legs on the floor. Um, I think he's bored. He's been trying to play with the ball with me, but obviously that's not ideal when you're trying to be quiet and record a podcast. So, yep, I think he's a bit cranky. Love
0: it. <laughs> what would you do without them, hey?
1: Oh, they're the best, honestly. They bring me and I'm sure you so much joy. And being in Melbourne as well for you at the moment, I suppose it's been a great reason to be getting out of the house every day and keeping active.
0: I know yeah he's going to miss it when I actually go back into work.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, on that note though, 2020 has been one hell of a year. It's been a roller coaster. I know we were chatting off air before about, you know, all the implications that it's had for everyone and and to even comprehend globally what is going on at the moment is just astronomical, but how have you been through this challenging year?
1: Yeah, it's been um, up and down, a bit of a roller coaster. Overall, I'm so, so lucky in that, you know, I've managed to keep some like work happening. I've managed to keep um, my beautiful employees with a job, which is great. Um, My partner and I and my family, we've all stayed really healthy. Um, So there's been like a whole heap of massive positives in the scheme of things. Of course, it's been like really difficult um, trying to just adjust in general Um, from like a mental health perspective. I think it's been a bit tough and, you know, considering who I am and who we are without the things that we um, are connected to normally, like maybe work and friends and social things and the ability to travel and all that kind of stuff. So it's been, look, it's been a crazy year. It's been a great year. I've learned so much, Um, very unexpected, but Hey, I feel good coming out of it. Um, I feel like, you know, we've done pretty well considering everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like all industries have been affected, but arguably the entertainment industry has been rocked the most because industries like that thrive on people coming in and being in the moment and obviously creating that environment and, and entertaining there. So like how have you coped not being able to do the things that you love doing? Mm,
1: yeah, our industry has really, really suffered and it's there's so many different people in the industry that the public don't see. Like obviously there's the DJs and the musos who are out the front, but then you've got like the bar and the club and the venue owners and you've got the security guards and you've got all the people that do all the work behind the scenes for like the catering and the bar and even like the financing and ensuring of all these venues. Like there are like so many people that are affected um, by just like one industry kind of being, squished a bit um, but yeah in that sense it's been interesting um, kind of figuring out like who I am and what I'm gonna do say if I was never able to write music or play music again um, it's been great in that it has allowed me to have like a whole heap of downtime to kind of reconsider these things and to write a whole heap of music and to practice my art and to sink my teeth into more health focused stuff and a couple of other like business slash side hustles that I have it's also been incredible in that um like as a performing and touring artist normally I get to miss out or I have to miss out on every kind of social event that my friends host but uh this year I've been able to do a heap of social things even though it's all you know small and um in the comfort of our own home but that's been um a real blessing so there have been a whole heap of positives um and yeah it's definitely made me think about big picture things like who I am without my music and without DJing yeah. whoop there's Lenny <laughs> um but it's been great because I you know I wouldn't have been thinking about these big issues and concepts if I hadn't been forced into like this situation so yeah it's yep. crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah to say the least Dara and I love that word that you said downtime before I think that's a real positive from this situation that everyone can take out of we've been living you know such a manic lifestyles for lack of a better term today and this year sort of just made us stop in our tracks reflect on what's important and along like really appreciate human connection a lot more I know we're chatting off air about how important how vital that is I know down here in Melbourne as well like human connection is at an all time low because we're walking the streets and we can't see people smile because we've got, they've got masks over their face, which is really, really poses another challenge in terms of really connecting and interacting. So I'm really looking forward to post COVID, how humanity can take connection to a whole nother level.
1: Mm, It's so important, isn't it? Even like the action of being able to like smile at a stranger Or have a conversation with a stranger, being able to hug the people um, we love or hug our friends. I'm a massive touchy-feely, let's sit all day and hug and talk type of person. So like being able to have some sort of flexibility in Sydney obviously has been epic lately. Um, I don't know how you guys in Melbourne have done it. My heart goes out to you. It's a really tough time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Darren. And I guess living such a manic lifestyle, for lack of a better term, for you as well, like touring the world and playing like night after night, I'm, I'm sure that you're appreciating this downtime more than ever as well to really focus on like the things you, you said before, social interactions with your friends and, and little things that you've missed out on prior to this year.
1: Yeah, it's been funny. Like I've been DJing for 10 years and so <laughs> a lot of my friends have just loved this year when we talk about our friendships in that they've seen me more than they ever have because they're like, oh, hey, it's Friday night. Do you want to go out for a drink? I'm like, yes. Do you (laughs) want to do this? Yes. Are you free? Yes. Like, I just say yes to everything now, which is great. And I am actually very grateful for that because I did miss out on so much stuff and it I would only be able to see my friends, you know, when things were scheduled in quite a far away in advance. And even if, you know, I did get to see them, I was often really tired because I'd been traveling. So it's been epic in that respect. And as much as like I love DJing and like love touring and things like that, far out, it's also really great to like live a normal life and be able to, you know, go out to a restaurant with your friends on a Friday or a Saturday night and have a glass of wine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. Those smaller things in life. And I know we're going to unpack their lifestyle of what a touring DJ looks like a little bit later on in the show, Dara. But before we get into that, let's bring it right back to the beginning for the listeners at home and and talk to us a little bit about what life was like for Dara growing up before the birth of DJ Tiger Lily.
1: Mm, Yeah, I had like a really great upbringing. My parents are amazing. We grew up in um, a little beach town in a beach suburb in Sydney called Maroubra. Um, I had two younger sisters and our childhood was just like always spent outdoors. My parents work into like hiking and camping so we would do that kind of for our holidays um, and we're always you know at the beach or in the garden or in the park I swear we did like a million different sports and music activities um in the afternoon I was really lucky I had awesome friends and a really you know good support network around me so it was in my eyes like you know an ultimate childhood it was so good we didn't like need anything, we had no worries. Um, it was, it was really awesome, and I definitely think that having stability and having um, parents who were really encouraging and you know told us we could do whatever we wanted to do as long as you know we were happy. Um, that was awesome because when I wanted to drop out of my uni degree or change my uni degree and pursue music, um, they were slightly disgruntled but for the most part really supportive um which is really important um I think for a young young person trying to figure out who they are and what they want to do in the world um having you know support from your family is really important um and as well as that my parents are literally like the healthiest people ever (laughs) they um eat really clean, they don't really drink that much, they sleep lots, they exercise heaps. So I was kind of brought into this very healthy, health-conscious household. Um, so having like that interest of, you know, health and well-being has always just been something that my family did without even thinking about it, which is definitely a massive, I'm very, very grateful for my parents for educating me in that respect um, at such a young age because changing habits when you're older I think is a lot more difficult than, you know, having them, um, I suppose, built into your life and your routine from a young, young age.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more there, Darren. and I guess that's some challenges that parents these days are facing as well, like with the influx of technology, trying to balance that time for their children on socials and and on the screens and things like that, and obviously immersing them in, in what is considered to be a healthy upbringing is, yeah, it's almost challenging these days, and that's prevalent through the obesity crisis that we see through our younger generation.
1: Yeah, it's pretty scary, isn't it? When we look at not even just obesity, but just like general education about what health is. Um, I think like Australians don't know necessarily how to be healthy. And that's why it excites me so much that we have so many resources like podcasts and, you know, books and radio shows and Instagram and different things that are actually allowing people to find out really valuable information that we're not taught in schools. Because, you know, they teach us things in schools that, to be honest, is wrong half the time. Um, And they don't necessarily allow us to create habits and facilitate, you know, the application of this learning into real life. So, um, yeah, it's exciting that, you know, we are seeing more and more information become accessible. But I definitely think that that's kind of the main well, the core problem is people don 't have that education and access to the information about you know what is healthy and what isn 't
0: yeah definitely and the the guidelines they 're very, very broad and vague and missing the mark in terms of, in terms of overall health and and the picture of health. And I guess we're starting to see a lot more scientific evidence surfacing these days about the recommendations and the guidelines and how they potentially are missing the mark. I know you were on simon hill show plant proof and he's doing some incredible work in sort of bridging the gap between true and false in inverted commas information out there which is amazing and like you said before the access to information that we have out there is incredible but it also comes at a big big responsibility for people and for the consumer it's really hard these days to distinguish who is a reputable source you know like Karen could be posting on her Facebook nutritional advice with no qualifications <laughs> and could have the best best interests at heart. And then you've got people that are actually qualified nutritionists that are posting information as well. And for the consumer, it's really hard to distinguish what is true and false.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think back to when I was younger and like what we ate and we definitely ate really like healthy, plain, whole foods. But I also remember things that we would eat that were kind of deemed as healthy. Like we'd be, um, mom would give us like yogurt and muesli often for breakfast and fruit um, and like you look at kind of what's in the yogurts these days, and it 's like you know it says it's you know fat free and whatever, but it's obviously full of dairy and like chemicals and preservatives and sugar and stuff, or you look at some of the kids' cereals like a Nutri-Grain and i'm like, oh my goodness, that is not a health food at all like what is going on, and how has this been allowed to be advertised as a food that is healthful it kind of it um yeah it really blows my mind and I think you hit the nail on the head there saying that there's like an overload of information for the consumer you've got Karen on Facebook saying one thing you've got a nutritionist saying another thing you've got the government saying something else and then you've got someone like Simon on a podcast saying something totally different so it can be really confusing for consumers, even for me. I suppose as an adult, when you're trying to make healthful decisions, it takes a lot of time and research to really make sure that you're getting that right information. Um, you know, you're searching for the through all the crap to find the good, the good pieces of gold nuggets. I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I couldn't agree more with you there, Dara. And following on from what you said before about researching and trying things out, I believe that you're your own test I'm in. You know your body best. So trial and error is something that I am preaching through my sort of communities to trying to get people to try and see how your body feels and and I feel like as humans we've sort of lost that connection with our body and we're sort of not listening to the signs and the signals that it's giving us like they're incredible things our body tells us when we're hungry when we're tired when we need a rest you know like if we start to be more in tune with those things I think that that's sort of like the first step and we can't really go wrong from there
1: I oh my gosh I agree with you so much like amen our bodies will tell us everything. And all you need to really do for those out there, like listening, just ask your body. Like, I know it might sound crazy and I know it might sound woo woo, but you just need to sit there. Like whether you're doing some breath work in the morning or you're just doing meditation, or maybe you're just in a quiet time, sit there and ask your body what's going on and what it needs. And it will tell you, I kid you not, like our bodies are so incredibly intelligent. Um, We just need to be open to communicating with our body in a way that kind of makes sense. And it just takes practice becoming in tune with your body. It's definitely a fine art that we should be taught like in schools or, you know, everyone should know how to be able to understand what their bodies are trying to tell them. But it's pretty sad that most people kind of ignore or they're not, you know, they have no idea that their bodies are trying to, I suppose, tell them a certain thing. So, yeah, for those at home, if you're like trying to figure out what's going on with your body, um, just ask it, and I'm more than sure that you will get some answers.
0: Yeah, hit the nail on the head there, Dar. And I guess to put that in a practical setting for people at home as well, coming, I'll relate everything back to fitness because that's what I know and love. If you're, you know, yeah. extremely sore and you your back is so sore, your legs are really tired and you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning, that's your body saying that, well, slow down, maybe it's not the best idea to go for a big 10k run today, just some light Mm -hmm. stretching and a little bit of movement. So those sort of signs and symptoms are practical things that we can sort of adapt to our lifestyle. And that's almost like a first step for being more in tune with your body.
1: Mm, 100% agreed.
0: Now, Dara, bringing it a little bit back to your upbringing, I'm interested, was music always a part of your your life?
1: Yeah, um, when I was about, I suppose, almost four, mum and dad put up, put me into music school um, and they found this like really awesome um, piano school that taught music in like a holistic way. So we were taught how to read music and to write music and to play Piano and to sing and to do all this kind of stuff, which was awesome. It was, yeah, it was the best music school. It was so so good. So um, that was always a part of my life up until I went to high school. And when I went to high school, I continued down that path and continued studying at that school. But then I started to learn a few other instruments in high school um, and was in a whole heap of bands and orchestras and would make my own bands with my friends and spent like hours on hours writing music and pop songs and love songs and all of it um, with a few of my friends. So it's always been um, a big part of my life. I never thought that I wanted a career in music because I didn't know that you could have a career in music. Um, I kind of thought the only options were to be you know, a music teacher or to be like a classical musician, I didn't know you could be like a DJ or a singer or a a producer or whatever it might be. I didn't, like they just kind of weren't options that were, I suppose, apparent back then. Anyway, um, I went to uni and started to study dentistry. Um, But then after a year of doing that, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't like this. (laughs) I think I want to do music. And that's kind of when I started to head in the direction of um, pursuing, yeah, my passion for DJing.
0: Completely left field dentistry to DJing.
1: Yep. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Do you often think about what your life would be like if you pursued your career as a dentist?
1: Like, yes and no. I don't think I have um I don't think I had the hours in me from the studying perspective to like complete the degree it's like a lot of years of like really intense studying I went to a selective high school and so I'd already kind of I think worn myself out at high school from studying and you know being bookish and I just didn't need that so I went and changed and did a media and communications degree with a double major in marketing and sociology which was kind of a lot more um I suppose was an arts focused degree so a lot less intensive from an hours and studying perspective and it came a lot more naturally to me than say science plus I was able to do a lot of music units within that as well um so yeah I don't I don't I don't think I could have ever become a dentist I like to think about what it might have been like but yeah it's just definitely was not the right career choice for me and I'm glad that I didn't try and pursue it despite, you know, knowing that it was the wrong thing for me to be doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's evident now through the legacy that, you know, you've created and you're living into now. So I know we're going to dive into that and a little bit. So you've decided to drop out of dentistry. What was your, your first steps and what was your first interaction with like going into, I'm not sure if there's a school of DJing or what, talk to us a little bit about that process.
1: Yeah, so I um, like so right after I left high school, um, I started to you know go clubbing and go to house parties where there were DJs, and I was just like so intrigued and drawn to the whole thing about it. Um, and so I remember, you know, I made some friends with a few of the DJs that were playing at some of the house parties, and that was kind of my first ever experience of you know seeing what the setup looked like and everything like that. Um, And then I went online, I was like Googling a whole heap of stuff of like how I could learn and I came across this competition called Your Shot. And pretty much what it is, is a competition for young-ish people. Um, It gives you a six-week intensive training course. And then at the end of it, you do like a competition against all the other DJs um, to find a winner. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like exactly what I want to do. Anyway, the first time I found out about it, I literally just missed the cutoff by like two weeks. And I was devastated because it meant I had to wait a whole 12 months. Um, so I kind of like, you know, put my dreams on hold and kept studying. Then I decided, all right, stuff this dentistry stuff. I'm going to give this DJing a go. Um, so that's when I switched over to do the media and comms degree and also applied to be a part of Your Shot. Um, and I ended up coming second in that back in 2000 and what year was it, 2011? Um, And that was kind of like my first, I suppose, like entry into the music industry, my first experience meeting other DJs all that kind of stuff. And it was a really great, incredible experience because not only was I taught by a really great DJ on how to mix, um, but it gave me performance experience. And I ended up coming second, which meant that my kind of prize for coming second was a residency at a club in Sydney called Soho. And that prize gave me so much benefit and knowledge um, from a long-term perspective because I got to practice and really refine my art and my passion of DJing um, over the space of like the next 12 months when I was resident there. So yeah, it was just, it was fantastic and a fantastic way to get into the music industry. And they actually still run the competition now. Um, it's obviously not happening this year, but for those um, who are kind of interested in learning how to DJ, it'll be back up and running next year. And I, I highly recommend, yeah, giving it a Google and sussing it out.
0: Yeah, I love that, Dara. And you're almost thrown in the, in the deep end there to sort of test your skills against in like a challenging environment I know this is completely off topic but I actually wanted to be a DJ when I was in high school and I remember year eight (laughs) I I got my first party and you won't believe what happened the party started at seven and I rocked up at 8 30 to DJ oh no that was the first and last event of my DJ career and yeah it was just an absolute nightmare (laughs) so I just realized that that's probably not for me if I can't even be punctual (laughs)
1: It's, it's definitely not for everyone. Um, yeah, it looks like a very glamorous career, but uh, not so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely. Now, Dara, what was the lifestyle like for you? You know, you're up and coming in in the DJ ranks, like talk to us a little bit about the lifestyle. Is it what you see typically when you go to a nightclub and you see, you know, lots of late nights, alcohol, potential drug use, talk to us a little bit about that environment and how you combated that.
1: Yeah, there's loads of that. Um, I suppose I didn't necessarily combat it in the first couple of years. I just kind of rolled with the punches and was partying a lot, making loads of industry friends, um, learning about the industry, learning about all the clubs, learning about different types of music. And I definitely don't have any regrets from that because I think it's really important to... um, be involved in the industry like that you are in um, and to learn about it, you kind of just have to be in it. Um, And so that was hard and interesting and tiring, but also really fun. And I suppose, you know, kind of rewarding. Um, I always had really good friends, so I didn't get involved in any bad crowds or anything like that, which I know happens a lot, especially when it comes to like drug use and things like that. Um, so I was always really lucky. I had really good supportive people around me, um, even in the industry, which can be, you know, a little bit crazy and not in a good way. Um, But then I think like just one morning I kind of woke up and I was like, all right, cool. My career is really amping up now. It's time that I take it seriously. And I remember having this like, you know, decision that just happened in my head like that and I was like cool I'm taking things a heap more seriously now I stopped drinking anywhere near as much like no drugs no late nights like or of course when I was working but you know no extra late nights and just really focused on my music and my career and my performance and putting in 110% of effort um, into that and it was actually a similar-ish time to when I Um, parted ways with my old manager and it just kind of was me out on my own for the first time and I think having sole responsibility for my whole business made me think okay cool really got to get my shit together and step up um, to I suppose make good things happen uh, to make an impact and to have a sustainable successful long career.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll take you back a little bit, though, when you said that you were connecting and networking with people. How did that sort of time influence your decision to go out on your own? And did that benefit in any way, making so many contacts and networks?
1: Um, like, yes and no. The reason I decided to go out on my own was because um, my old manager, he was amazing. He was really, really good. But I just think that We came to a point in our relationship where um, I think that maybe decisions were being, we were both making decisions um, and I wasn't necessarily taking full responsibility for those decisions, but then not really understanding the impact of those decisions. And I think when you are managing yourself or when, you know, you're running your business on your own, you literally have to think about every single option for how a decision might pan out and how that's going to affect you. And I quite enjoy having that responsibility because it makes me really think about what is going to be the best situation, not just, you know, say, oh yeah, oh yeah, nah, Um, you know, just make quick decisions and quick decisions are not always beneficial. So it made me really take responsibility and slow things down. Um, The networking definitely did help for sure. Um, But I think what's more important than networking in a broad sense is making really good friendships with people who have great business ethics and who are good people. Um, You know, you can go and meet a thousand people who aren't great people, whereas you might meet 10 people who are really awesome people and they have your best interests at heart. And those 10 people are really going to help lift you up. Um, So I would say that um, from a networking perspective, it's all about quality over quantity um, and, you know, making friends and maintaining friendships with people who you like and who you trust and who you respect is really important.
0: I couldn't agree more with you there, Dara, and I know connection and like networking with like-minded people played a really pivotal part in my experiences and my opportunities that I've had. So, I guess the reason why I asked you that question is for anyone out there that is potentially, think whatever field they're in, I guess, it doesn't really matter. But if they're thinking about, you know, potentially going down the entertainment music industry, how important surrounding yourself with like-minded people that are going to bring the best out in you
1: is? Yeah, it's so important. It's essential. Um, I've been so lucky in my career to be, working with people who Do have my best interests at heart and do lift me up um, and all that kind of stuff. My agents, I've been working with them for such a long time, and they are. I still work with them very closely these days, and they're all just incredible, hardworking humans. And same with my label, they're really, really awesome. And those are the people that are going to like make or break a career because you know you can't do it on your own. It has to be um, a team effort. So finding colleagues and agents and managers and labels. support you Um, and it doesn't yeah it's not just you know music industry focus it's kind of for any industry I suppose building a team of really great supportive intuitive empathetic smart people around you is very very important for success
0: you've built this incredible legacy behind the decks and you're easily identified from your colored hair I love that by the way it's so unique and it's very vibrant (laughs) what sort of sparked this idea
1: Honestly, it was just what I wanted to do. I know it sounds like the dumbest, most simple thing, but I remember seeing um, this model, Abby Lee Kershaw, in the, um, I think it was a cover of Vogue. It would have been, God, 10 years ago now. Um, And she had this like dip dyed hair. She had brown hair and then pink, pink and Ends of her hair. And I just thought that looks so cool. I have to do that. So I went to the hairdresser the next day and did that. And um, slowly I started to get more and more of the dip in the end of my hair. So it was like, you know, half my hair was then pink and it got to a point where my hairdresser said, okay, Dara, I'm not doing any more of your hair. We either go a hundred percent full color or we you know, cut all the color off and you just go back to your natural brown hair. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's go in a (laughs) hundred percent. And it honestly just really stuck. It, um, it was just fun. And it was just me expressing my personality and my creativity and I suppose all those fun elements through color and expression. Um, and yeah, it really stuck. And yeah, it's still something that I can't quite wrap my head around how, you know, doing something so simple like dyeing your hair can have such a huge career impact from a marketing perspective. And then from like a long-term recognition perspective, it's, um, yeah, it's it's mental.
0: Digging a little bit deeper into that, I guess now you obviously got blonde hair, but you still utilize the, the colored approach, which I love. Mm -hmm. there's sort of an element when you're like I guess relating it back to professional athletes they almost have like their pre-game routine to get them in the zone do you use the the blue hair or the pink hair now to get you in the zone for what's coming
1: oh my god absolutely I put on my wig and I like feel like a different person it's crazy it like allows me to be like so much more feisty and vivacious and confident and yeah, it's mental how putting a wig on and an outfit on can totally change the way you feel.
0: Yeah, I love that. I knew that would be the answer. So that's why I asked it. So good. (laughs) (laughs) I guess for people that have never really experienced this situation and for people that are missing that sort of electricity and energy from the festival club scene, because we've been deprived of it for so long, What's the electricity like from behind the decks? I know people would be able to relate from in front, but what's it like from behind? And do you gather momentum from the crowd? It seems like a a silly question, but does that influence the performance at all?
1: Mm, Absolutely, it does. The energy behind the decks and like standing on stage, it's electric And it's terrifying and it's fantastic and it's addictive. It's very, very addictive. Um, I definitely think I've got an addiction to like an adrenaline rise (laughs) 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 because it's just, it's the most fantastic feeling ever. Um, And the crowd definitely plays a massive part in that. When the crowd... Um, Is high on life, you know, massive amounts of energy. It makes performing an absolute dream. And I am on a high for, you know, a week after having a massively successful show. When the crowd is um, struggling energetically, it definitely makes it harder for me as an artist and a performer think about it like an energy exchange of any kind, whether you're having a conversation with someone or, you know, whatever relationship it might be, if you're feeding off each other's energy in a really positive way, it's going to be successful and creative and um, people are going to feel good about it. But if someone isn't giving any sort of energy to the exchange, then it can be a lot more difficult for both parties, um, both parties involved. So yeah, it's pretty mental and it, definitely having the time off this year has made me realize like how much I do love that element of it. And um, I think, you know, when you're doing something time and time again, over the space of 10 years, you can kind of become a little bit complacent and not realize how grateful and lucky you are for what you have. But yeah, this year, I've realised that, gosh, when I don't do it, I really love it and I really miss it and that energy that, you know, you can kind of access and that, you know, experience with the crowd that you can kind of access is one that I really miss if I don't have it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, really, really well summarised there. Darren I know you're probably not going to ever be faced with this situation ever again, but in your sort of early years, you mentioned how important the energy of the crowd is. What was your sort of toolkit to be able to get the, the energy field flowing from the crowd and make it really vibrant?
1: Mm, I suppose, um, I, like I play music that I personally think is fun. Like it's stuff that I want to hear at a house party. Um, I don't try and be super cool and play all underground tracks. I don't try and be super deep and play really emotional tracks. I play songs that I want to hear on the dance floor. Songs that I know me and my girlfriends would love to dance and party to. Um, And so I think that was like the first tool, choosing music that was really accessible to a whole different range of people. Um, Utilising the microphone and like, you know, verbally communicating with the crowd is another great way to, I suppose... Um, be entertaining and connect and then through physical movement as well there's nothing more boring than going and watching a DJ and they're just standing there looking like they'd rather be anywhere else in the world I'm like on the decks I'm jumping up and down I'm dancing (laughs) I'm sweating I'm headbanging like I just really get into it because music is so fun so um, that in itself I think is another way to really communicate with the crowd and you know make them feel good about what's going on
0: Yeah, definitely. Anyone that has seen you perform or even seen you through socials would see how bubbly and vibrant you are. (laughs) Now, you're a very passionate plant-based eater. I know this is something that you're extremely passionate about, the whole vegan scene, which is awesome. I'd love to dive into that, Darren. What was your catalyst for sort of exploring this realm?
1: Mm, Yes, I'm very, very, very passionate about it. So I'm super excited to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, the catalyst for exploring plant-based vegan diet was after like a lot of traveling, I became pretty unwell. I had a whole heap of gut issues. I was exhausted. My skin was bad. My hormones were out of whack. Just, I was not treating my body well. And... I remember having this very um, groundbreaking conversation with my cousin who is vegan and was vegan at the time, and she was just glowing. She looked like she'd done one of those glow ups. I was like, What have you done? You look amazing. She's like, Oh, you know, it's just my diet. I just pretty much eat plants and like, you know, whole foods. And I was like, What is this? I need to do this. And I think I'd always really been. As a child, I remember always asking my mum if I could be vegetarian because as a child, vegan, I didn't know what that that word was. Um, But I always remember I wanted to be vegetarian, so I always think I had an affinity for animals, um, but it was something that wasn't really... um, I suppose stimulated is the wrong word, but encouraged. Um, my mum always said, you know, when you can cook for yourself as an older teenager, you can be a vegetarian. And I always thought, okay, sure. But then by the time I got to being a teenager, I just kind of forgotten about that. And it wasn't something that was on my radar anymore. So anyway, this kind of, when I have, was having this conversation with my cousin, uh, I was like, oh, this all kind of makes sense and feels right. So I kind of started to cut different things out of my diet. Um, when pescatarian first and then fully vegetarian. And then cutting out dairy and eggs for me was really easy because I was definitely lactose intolerant um, and denying it (laughs) because I love to eat cheese and ice cream. Um, And yeah, when I finally made like the 100% change, I never looked back. It definitely didn't happen overnight. I didn't feel like yeah, I didn't wake up the next day and be like, I feel amazing. It took a lot of figuring out, especially with my gut to come to a place where like I was feeling incredible, but like I'm almost five years into my vegan journey. And like, I would never, never change back, never look back. It's been the best thing ever. And like, it's something that I don't even really think about these days. It's just so, it intuitively feels so good. And I know it's the right thing for me from a health perspective and also from an emotional perspective and an energetic perspective um, it just is right for me in every way and I'm yeah feel very lucky that I'm in a situation where I'm able to choose vegan and plant-based every day because I know a lot of people in the world aren't really in such a privileged situation to be able to make those choices.
0: Dara you know that's probably the most common thing I hear from when I interview people that are on this plant-based journey they sort of don't really know, you know, how to explain it. And I'm much the same. I really don't even know how to explain it. it just feels intuitively right. And, you know, you just feel good from it. So <laughs> I think that was yes.
1: great. Yay. Yeah, it's like every day, three times a day or five times, depending on how many times I eat, I'm like saying this is what I believe in. I'm putting my health first. I put the animals first. I'm putting the environment first. Like it just speaks lengths about a person and their moral code when they choose to eat plant-based or vegan or whatever you want to call it Um, and yeah it just feels in alignment and just feels right which is just the dopest thing
0: yeah definitely and I think you highlighted some of the benefits before about you know the impact that it has on the environment obviously the animal agricultural side of things and how we're showing showcasing your love for the animals and then the health implications so I guess the beauty about this lifestyle is that you could pick one catalyst or one reason for going plant-based or vegan whatever you want to refer to it as but the other impacts that you're having as a byproduct are huge whether that's Mm -hmm. on your radar or not I know for me health was sort of the first forefront for going plant-based but then once you're immersed in that you sort of start to realize the impacts that it has on the animals naturally and then you start to see the research coming out about the environmental impacts and you're like, well, wow, it's such a, you know, win, win, win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. I think a lot of people I speak to come in from that health perspective um, because as we know, humans often won't do anything until it's affecting them directly. <laughs> Yay <laughs> us. Anyway, they come in from that health perspective and this was the same for me. And then they're like, wow, what is this? I'm feeling amazing. And then they start to do a bit more research and like, you know, follow a few more pages or listen to a few more podcasts. And then you start to learn about all these other insane impacts that not only like, it's not just health, that's impacted. And then you, as you learn, you feel better and then you feel more passionate about what you're doing. And then you kind of want to talk about it more and learn about it more and, you know, connect with like-minded people. And it's, It's crazy um, how changing something so simple to begin with, like your diet, can have an effect on your whole life and like how it pans out and how you think and who you relate to and who you make friends with and where you live and how you feel and what you choose to buy and what you choose to engage in. Like It's crazy how just one decision can have such a phenomenal impact on not only you, but the people around you as well.
0: Yeah, huge Dara and the common consensus around the community is that vegan is such a really loaded word and and automatically it has this stereotype attached to it. How do you sort of refer to yourself when you know speaking and and on social media and stuff and do you ever sort of feel any negative sort of pressure for referring to yourself in, in either way?
1: Yeah, I do. I do refer to myself as vegan but I've been like attacked quite a bit by some hectic vegans for um, we have a dog who is a poodle cross. Um, So we have people in our family that are allergic to dogs and, you know, we had to get a dog that was hyperallergenic. So something like that is not very vegan. Um, There are also things like my partner isn't vegan and so he eats meat. Um, So we often have, you know, animal product in our house um our dog isn't vegan there are a whole heap of things that um I would do I would do or like things in my life that um aren't necessarily fully strictly vegan but I still call myself a vegan because I don't buy any animal product and I don't consume any animal product, and I don't use any animal product despite what the people around me are doing in my family um i.e my partner and my dog um and i don't have a problem with that and i think that the most negative component of the vegan community is the fact that um, a lot of vegans say it's all or nothing you have to be 100 dedicated to veganism to be able to call yourself a vegan and i think that's like really A, unachievable, B, really clicky and bitchy and C, just totally wrong. Um, I think that if we were a lot more accepting of what people did and say, if, you know, people were generally vegan, let's say 90% vegan, it's hard to put... Like a number on it, but if people are making really big changes throughout most elements of their life, um, I think that's awesome. Like, I always applaud all my friends when they decrease the amount of animal product they're using, or you know, they buy maybe pineapple leather instead of real leather, things like that. They just are making changes, and it's fucking awesome. And it should be so, so, so celebrated. Every decision needs to be celebrated because we live in a non vegan world and we really can't just you know, click our fingers and have everyone change to hundred percent vegan. So I do call myself vegan. I know a lot of people might say I'm not a hundred percent vegan because of, you know, say some of the elements that I outlined before, but so yeah, I do have some hesitation sometimes when saying that because the vegan community can be so judgmental, um, And they really seem to require this dedication and perfectionism that I don't think is realistic. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's a really tricky one. And it's really sad because like it was sad for me to think about because in my eyes, what veganism about is choosing the least harmful, most positive, considerate decision you can at every point in your day. And living in a vegan world it's not always possible for people to choose vegan um I think that you know if people are doing it most of the time then that's incredible and that should be applauded and people shouldn't be shamed for you know not being 100% perfect vegan
0: (laughs) yeah Dara, I could not agree with you more and our values are very very aligned in that aspect as well I'm so so not angry I guess yes angry is the right word that at the vegan community that we're almost our own worst enemy and it's like I relate it back to fitness as well if someone's gone out of their their way and they've run their first 10 kilometers you're not going to say oh but you didn't run 15 you're going to congratulate them on running 10k's because that's an amazing small win if we apply that to our food choices and our lifestyle choices I think that like we can't go wrong. Everyone's on a different end of this sort of spectrum. Whether you know you're having one plant-based meal a week or you're having fifty reduction is the first sort of step. And there's like you said before, it's almost practically impossible to get the whole world vegan. But if we can start getting the whole w- world reducing their intake and reliance on animal products and and animal proteins, then I think that's a, such a big win.
1: Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with with you on that as well um and i just think that it's it's tough i understand why the really hardcore vegans are so hardcore about it because when you think about it realistically what happens to the animals is really messed up and what we're doing to the environment is really messed up Um, but we need to approach it in a way that is realistic and sustainable and um, you know friendly for those people who aren't really living a vegan lifestyle. Um, we need to make it approachable and accessible and fun and positive. And right now, I think the vegan community often doesn't do that, which is very unfortunate. So um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. And it's something that I kind of struggle to get my head around because I'm so passionate about it and so passionate about supporting people making small changes. But that in itself is often really looked down upon by other vegans. So I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, um, I don't know where I heard this quote, but it's really resonated with me ever since. And I can't remember who said it, but it's you do your best with what you know. And when you know better, you do better. And I think that's really, really relevant for people's food choices because, you know, everyone's just trying to do their best with the education that they have. And once they know better, then they can sort of be influenced to do better. I think it's really relevant. Yeah, 100%.
1: And like with everything in our society slowly changing, you know, having access to vegan food, having money to buy specific foods um, or different supplements, because I'm a big believer in supplementation and, you know, if you making big changes to your diet, getting blood tests by your doctors and all these things like that, you know, there's kind of a lot that goes into it when you're changing your life and your diet completely. You can't just change and expect everything to be fine and smooth sailing. So it's not as easy as a lot of people say. And so that's why I really think people need to be supported in, you know, making small decisions and learning and then making some more adjustments and learning and making some more adjustments. One of my really good friends and actually photographer and tour manager, she is vegan and has been for over a year now and went vegan slowly, um, by each month, removing some sort of animal product from her diet. So like one month she would remove dairy the next month she'd do eggs. Um, etc, etc. And I loved that approach so much, even though when I've spoken about it before, a lot of vegans have been like negatively, I suppose negatively commenting on it. Um, But it just meant it was sustainable and she could create really positive, healthy habits and allow her body to adjust over time to her new diet. And I just think that that kind of patience and dedication to slowly making changes that are sustainable and healthy, um, that needs to be applauded. And we really need to be encouraging people to do that more
0: yeah I agree and it's so inspirational and it's you know it almost lights a fire within other people seeing people take those small but big steps in their eyes to do better it's it's amazing and i don't know about you Yara, but personally like when i started diving down this plant-based realm you naturally start becoming more in tune with your body and you start you naturally place health as a higher priority on you know your your list of values i'm interested to see how you juggle the life of a DJ which is often associated with like late nights and you know lack of sleep sometimes alcohol how do you juggle that
1: yeah um first of all the best thing to do is not stress about it because stress is not great (laughs) um for me first priority is always sleep um I was working on the weekend. I had a nap on Saturday, which was great. I sleep a lot of hours. I was in bed by eight o'clock last night and was up at um, like 6.30 this morning. So I have big catch up sleeps. Sleep is just so important for me. Um, And so I really prioritize that. Um, And yeah, I'm an eight to nine hour a night kind of gal, which is great. So for me, despite missing out on sleep, maybe a couple of nights a week, I always make sure I have naps. and really, yes, support myself in that way in regards to diet I'm really chill like I'm definitely not the healthiest person um, I'm all about balance and I'm about getting in good nutrition when you can so like this morning for brekkie I had a massive green smoothie I make these like <laughs> like liter and a half green smoothies with literally every fruit and vegetable I own in my house and just throw it all into my Vitamix yeah. um, and for lunch I had mushroom and veggie tacos really simple and fresh and delicious don't know what I'm doing for dinner tonight but but during the week, I really try and stay pretty healthy. And when we're at home, we don't really drink alcohol. Um, we save that for when we go out for dinner or when I'm performing or things like that. So kind of make it more occasion-based as opposed to just, you know, drinking um, every night. Um definitely alcohol is one of the things that can be difficult to manage when you are working in an industry in the way that I do. But funnily enough, like when I work, I only might, I might have one or two glasses of champagne and that's it. Um, So I find actually when I'm being social, i.e. this year, I have ended up drinking a lot more than I normally would Um, because when I'm working, I'm always professional and on. So I don't, you know, don't actually drink that much. Um, It's also about just like finding what works for you and finding good, healthy, yummy alternatives that you like that are quick and easy to make, finding good snacks that you can bring with you um, and making sure when you have the opportunity to sleep or to work out or to meditate or to chill, you take those opportunities. Um, And it's like anything else. The more you learn, um, the more you know. I know that sounds crazy, but like, yeah, as as soon as you start learning and that knowledge builds, things become easier and easier. You implement these new habits and you start to feel better and better. So realistically, I think I live a pretty healthy, balanced life, despite the fact that I am a DJ. And I think that's something that I do like to speak about a lot. And I do like to promote is that your job um, doesn't need to define you and or your healthful behaviors Um, you can have a job in an industry like mine that is seen as relatively unhealthy and still live like a healthy balanced life
0: yeah great answer Dara. I just realized how derogatory my question sounded I did not mean it like that at all but yeah no
1: it's not not at all not at all it's like people ask all the time and I think it's awesome to talk about it definitely
0: that's exactly what I was trying to sort of the main point is to show how important balance is and and you know not to tip the the scale to either end of the spectrum to be able to enjoy life for what life is but still get the most out of your body and still be fruitful with health and I think that you like that's a perfect example and what you said before about not letting your job define you it's so so true we often walk through life blinded to what is really out there and and really cling on to to our job and that's not us you know we we work so we can enjoy life we don't live life to work if that makes sense I love that answer
1: yeah a hundred percent um and I think people are like especially in the world you know where Instagram and you know content is king. People think that they have to be having, you know, green smoothies and lemon water and raw food all day, every day. No, you don't. You eat that ice cream, you drink that wine, you have that pasta, eat that packet of chips. Like if it makes you feel good, fuck yeah. If like having a glass of wine is going to make you feel a little bit less stressed after a stressful day, probably better than sitting on the couch and continuing to be stressed for another couple of hours. Um, I just think, yeah, balance is everything and intuitively listening to what your body needs, especially for females, especially at that time of the month. Oh my God is really important. Um, if your body's craving something, it probably needs it for a reason. So yeah. And that all, you know, as when I suppose for me anyway, when I went vegan, my intuitive ability to understand what my body wanted heightened because there was so much less crap going into my system. I was really able to listen to my body and know, oh, cool. I'm craving sugar right now. So I'm going like, I probably need that because my energy's low. Maybe my blood sugar's dropping. I'm going to go eat something sugary and not feel bad about it. You know?
0: Yeah. Extremely well said there, Dara. I think balance is sort of the main forefront of, of that. And I could not agree more Especially, I know this is going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but for any females out there, I've recorded an episode with Jackie Franges Carcas talking about your menstrual cycle and understanding how to be more in tune with your body because I think it's something that I see a lot in my line of work, Dara, is this pressure that females place on themselves for eating more during that period. But this podcast sort of breaks down why that is happening fundamentally and, and why it's so important to listen to your body it all times but mm-hmm. in particular at that time so guys if you haven't listened to that one really really essential
1: yes amazing love that
0: you mentioned it before about juggling the the social media sort of pressures when you first transitioned to a vegan plant-based diet did you sort of get any pressure from social media or, or any hate on um on those channels
1: uh, lots of hate i've lost so many followers over the last five years um who, people you know who don 't like me talking about vegan stuff uh, which is so fine um i wasn 't actually sure for a long time like if I could call myself vegan or not i and this is another you know stupid thing about the vegan community is like we feel pressured to be you know vegan for one year before you can officially say you 're vegan like you know just stupid timelines and expectations so i didn't tell anyone what I was doing for a while. Um, but then, you know, probably like six months in, I felt way more confident with what I was doing and I was excited by it. So then I started to speak about it a lot more, um, which was awesome and felt really good. Um, I actually created a second Instagram account um, to kind of provide myself with a safe space to be able to speak about health and veganism, low-tox living, animal rights, all that kind of stuff. So, um, without having to, I suppose, impact my DJ and music page. Um, and I'm still on that page now really regularly, which is great. And it's lovely to have a nice, awesome community um, there. So, yeah, I think there is a lot of hate online for vegans, but I don't think we, the vegan community, necessarily do ourselves justice um, well, we're kind of our own worst enemy. Um, and so I try and do myself justice by coming across as like friendly and accessible and, you know, I, yeah, friendly and accessible for people who are interested in veganism and plant-based living um, to try and provide them with the most positive experience of, you know, understanding what veganism is and stuff online. Yeah,
0: definitely, and leading from from kindness. Absolutely. Contrary to that, Dara, what has social media brought to, you know, your DJ realm that is super beneficial? How has that impacted that?
1: Oh, it's been amazing for my career. Um, it's given me an ability to connect with people in different places that I never knew I would be able to connect with. Um, it's been or well, it's allowed me to, you know, share my journey. Um, it's been great because it's allowed me to travel all over the world and connect with people all over the world um, to connect with different artists and meet different artists online. It's just a phenomenal tool when it comes to music and sharing and creating art. So, yeah, very lucky to have have that platform um for my career
0: yeah definitely Dara, i'm not sure if you've seen the latest netflix doco our social dilemma or the social dilemma have you seen that yet
1: oh scott my partner watched it the other day and he said it was so good i have not watched it yet i should watch it tonight he's he's been saying you've got to watch it you've got to watch it so yeah i have to i, I know the general gist of it though and it sounds so interesting
0: mind-blowing and it's like shows both the negative and the positive side of social media it's it's amazing it's a must watch and if you guys at home haven't seen it definitely watch it, it makes you rethink everything that you're doing on social media so yeah I thought that was a little yeah. caveat for that. Dara what what's the most memorable experience that you've had in your DJ career one that stands
1: out for you? It's so hard choosing like one most memorable experience I've
0: put you on the spot, I think,
1: Sorry. I think overall like even if I had you know even if I thought about it for a month there's so many incredible experiences that I've been lucky enough to have and I've met amazing people and done amazing things I think the best thing though has been as a young female running my own business in my 20s Um, has allowed me to take so much control over my life and learn so much about myself and the world. It's given me an incredible amount of flexibility when it comes to my health and my wellness journey. It's given me an incredible amount of confidence when it comes to um, my belief in myself and um, what I know I'm capable of achieving. And it's been, uh, it's just being able to be my own boss and choose every day yes to music and yes to creativity and yes to travel and yes to health and yes to balance um it's pretty empowering because i see a lot of my friends stuck in 9 to 5 jobs working for the man and not living their best lives so i think the combination of everything that working in such an incredible industry like the music industry um has allowed me to do has been yeah pretty epic
0: yeah. Well said Dara. And I've got a couple more questions before we finish off the podcast. And then if you're up for it, I've got a little game of rapid fire questions that I usually like to finish the podcast off with afterwards. But
1: I love rapid fire questions.
0: <laughs> so good. I've, I've, I was thinking for ages of what sort of difficult ones I can put in there. So I can't wait to dive into that, but Uh-oh. <laughs> you've, you've highlighted a few times in this podcast as well what your main message is but if you were to summarize that for the listeners at home and and leave a little bit of dara wisdom behind what would you say and what is your main message
1: do what you love listen to your body do what feels good because you've only got you know one life and it's really important to be happy and to be you know supporting and loving yourself which is in turn going to allow you to support and love the people around you and your community
0: Love it. Beautifully said. Yeah. Alrighty, let's get into this. Thought of that on fire. the spot. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> like awesome. I like it and it's true. <laughs> That's something you see like on Google Images when you type in inspirational quotes.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought about that more.
0: <laughs> no, Dara, let's get into some rapid fire. Um, basically, first thing that comes to your mind whenever I ask these questions. Yeah. Amazing. We'll start off nice and easy. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Silent disco? Yes or no?
1: Yeah, always.
0: (laughs) Love it. Would you live forever or die today? Die today. Melbourne or Sydney?
1: Sydney. Sorry, mate. (laughs) Pretty
0: pretty obvious there. I'd pick Sydney too, and I haven't been in about eight years. What's the most embarrassing DJ moment to date?
1: Oh, there's been so many, but definitely just stopping the music in the middle of an epic show accidentally. I've done that way too many times by slipping or pressing the wrong button. Mortifying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Where's your favorite place in the world to play?
1: Mm, In Greece.
0: Nice. Greece is amazing, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. Festivals or clubs?
1: Both, <laughs> very different experiences.
0: <laughs> if you could choose one hair color, what would it be
1: for the rest of my life?
0: Yeah, for the rest of your life.
1: Uh, one is so hard. I don't know. Like, obviously, I love I love being blonde, but also my iconic like aquamarine blue is. It's weird to say this, but it actually really suits me. So I do really love that. If it was easy to maintain, yeah, then probably blue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew this would be the most difficult question out of all of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tacos. Final one, what story are you trying to leave behind and what legacy do you want to leave behind in the world?
1: Mm, Good vibes, good music, good food, good life. (laughs)
0: so good Dara thank you so much for your time today it was amazing really really awesome to pick your brain and share your journey with the community so thank you so much
1: thanks for having me on today Matt it's been a pleasure
0: well there you have it friends Dara Hayes by day and DJ Tiger Lily by night Dara, thank you so much for the opportunity to sit down and unpack your incredible journey and everything that you've been through to get you to where you are today. It was so empowering being able to discuss DJing, veganism, and most of all, conscious living with such an influential individual. Guys, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and like, subscribe and leave a rating and review for the podcast if you're loving the content as well. You can also join in the conversation for all things plant-based, nutrition-related, movement, conscious living and sustainability on Instagram at Euphoria Health and the links are in the show notes. That's all I have for you this week, friends. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and I'll see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast.